Welcome to Electric Liberty Land here on the Lions of Liberty podcast, your weekly shot of culture, comedy, and liberty with your host, Brian McWilliams. Well, hello out there, my little liberty-loving leprechauns. Fiddly-dee, fiddly-doo to you. This is Brian McWilliams, and this is Electric Liberty Land, episode number 212, show notes at lionsofliberty.com slash episodes slash ELL212. And man, I don't know where all you guys are at around the country, but hot damn, it is crazy windy and uh, nutball kind of weather right here in LA because it gets down No, not that cold, but it'll get down to, you know, maybe high 50s at the coldest during the day. And uh, then it'll get down to maybe uh, high 30s at the coldest at night, at least in this part of the city. But man, lately it's just been up and down, left and right. You know, it's like this past week it got up to 80. Now the winds are howling. I mean, harder than I've seen in a long time. I'm hoping I don't get crushed by a uh, palm tree falling down next to my little den studio here. But... I tell you, the thing that sucks is whenever this crazy weather stuff happens, whenever these winds start blowing in like this, I get massive allergies and headaches. My wife's starting to get them too, which sucks for her and uh, and sucks for me by extension. Having to deal with their whining. No, uh, <laughs> we both feel shitty and my throat is not feeling great because I get a little... Uh, I don't know, a little scratchy, little sore throat action here. So I think I'm going to try to curtail this a little bit between the headache and the uh, the sore throat. But that don't mean that I do not have some liberty wisdom to impart and I don't have some things that got me a little riled up. Starting off, you know, it looks like Parlor is going to be coming back online, which is nice. And, uh, you know, because we'd invested a lot of time into trying to build ourselves up on that platform thinking, okay, well, at any point now, we could be deplatformed by Twitter, and uh, we're still holding strong on Facebook. So if you want to join the Lions of Liberty Facebook, guys, just go on there, type in Lions of Liberty Forum, and uh, you'll ask a question. Tell them you heard about us from me or from an attractive swimsuit-wearing model, because obviously about 50 to 60% of our fans happen to be very attractive swimsuit-wearing models. That's how we grow the show. Uh, we just brand them right across the knockers there and uh, leads to a lot of podcast downloads. But uh, we will let you in. Just say you heard about it here. And we still have our Patreon secret group there, the Lines of Liberty Pride, where you can hear the Dave Smith versus Eric Brakey uh, debate that happened on our live feed behind the paywall on Facebook on uh, last Friday, but it will be coming to the general public. If you don't want to wait, if you're itching to get at it and plus get access to all of our other content, new do nothing, man, episodes, conspiracy corner episodes, degenerate gamblers episodes, and much more then just go to patreoncom slash lines of Liberty, sign up. And all of that can be yours. All the riches in the world. My friends can be yours. So anyway, you know, we we're looking at other places. I mentioned, we've got a me, page set up growing that because it could be deplatformed, but it got me thinking, you know, I walk my dogs around every morning and uh, I take them about a three hour walk. It's when I, or not three hours, about a three mile walk for about an hour, hour and 15 minutes. And you know, that's where I do my thinking, you know, I, I got nothing to do, but pick up dog crap. And as I mentioned on, <laughs> I think, I think it was degenerate gamblers that cracked my skull against some idiotic wall, cinder block wall, that some idiot put up, uh, it was like, had him been five feet high and I'm six, three and then five feet high, but then with three foot tall wooden bars in between, I'm not paying attention. Just cracked my freaking skull trying to look down to see if my dog had, uh, had finished dropping deuces, but I'm doing my thinking and, and you know, it pops to my mind. Donald Trump keeps talking about starting this media empire. Oh, I want to start my own TV channel. I want to start my own, whatever Donald You've got the money. If there's one thing you should be starting, if there's one thing financially that will be a massive success for you and which would cement your legacy as a scion for conservative 
It would be to not start a media empire. No one needs to have more television programs that are biased, targeted towards them. They already have Newsmax that came out. They already have got One America that's come out. They've already got a bunch of other channels that are popping up here. What they need is for you to get somebody on board that knows how to run a server farm and to get a web hosting company set up, to get a servicing company where people can keep their data and cloud storage set up. That's what they need. Call it, I don't know, Trump Web Services, like Amazon Web Services, just call it TWS. <laughs> or even be even funnier if it was TDS, Trump Data Services. <laughs> really, really stick it to all the people out there with Trump Derangement Syndrome, aka TDS. But doesn't that make a lot more sense to everybody? The need in the marketplace right now is for a web host that will not deplatform you for having conservative or not even conservative, just outside the state-mandated, state-specified point of view, a.k.a. COVID kills people, that every single death that's being marked down in hospitals, even when they're gunshot victims, is in fact from COVID, that we have to lock down the economy, and that, of course, the election was 100% square. Not to mention, people like me, libertarians, I know Mance Rader just got booted off. I think uh, Mark told me he got the old... Uh, Trump treatment from Twitter, so I guess he's off there for good. But just somewhere you can have various opinions, have various hypotheses and theories about the world in which we live that go outside of the orthodoxy, or as Tom says, the uh, three-by-five card of allowable opinion. Welcome to the Brian McWilliams Show, episode 212. Um, you know, Trump could provide that easily. It's not that hard to set up a ton of servers and make sure that they can connect to the internet and hold your data on there. I'm sure there are ample ex Google employees who would gladly work for you. Or if it's not Trump, what is the CEO of Overstock doing, right? That guy's out there traipsing around. He was a big Trump supporter. If you're on Overstock, clearly you were working within having to have a massive infrastructure and having to have your data stored somewhere. You had to have understood the process or at least held people in under your employee that knew how to do it. Get them on board and get them to create a conservative option for web hosting and or uh, data cloud management. Let's go. Why is it not already done? It's, just, it's insane to me. I mean, cripes, back it up with some crypto uh, currencies. You know, go after Seacoin. They've got cloud data. Go go have Donald Trump go out to Seacoin, which I think is rebranded. God, what do they rebrand to? Something else. But Seacoin's the backing currency, cryptocurrency behind it. Go work with them. That way your data is secure. It's out there. It's crypto encoded. You're safe. You're secure. Just figure it out. This is the financial future for you, Donald Trump. By the way, speaking of financial futures, I want to remind you guys about a podcast that I become fond of called the Matthew Spassini program. And that's found you know anywhere you could download your podcast easily uh, available. But Matthew's interesting in that he is bringing the Liberty World a more or less specifically focused on financial aspects podcast. Now, it's not all he talks about. He's actually doing some interesting reading. I saw he's got a new thing that he's just doing in the last, uh, basically the last couple of days, called the Liberty Informant, where he has short articles. He's just reading articles from other sources. He's got one up from Mises.org about national currencies, tragic race to the bottom. He also has another one about hillbilly urbanism. So he's reading other content, but basically he's turning these into audiobook formats for you. So you get a little bit of good information from everywhere. But on top of that, Matthew always goes, he goes into how you're going to find financial freedom, how you're going to be able to free yourself and make the right moves moving forward, especially in this uncertain atmosphere that we find ourselves uh, circulating within. So if you need some good financial advice, if you're looking for a podcast that can help you find that financial freedom, check out uh, the Matthew Spassini program. And uh, if you'd like it, subscribe to it. You know how the game works. Um, all right. But getting back to the main topic here. So, you know, we've got all this media censorship. We've got all this deplatforming. We've got people refusing to even web host content from GOP's conservatives. And as last uh, as last mentioned on ELL 211, you now have banks getting into it. You have financial services like Stripe getting into it. You've got Shopify refusing to have merch with Donald Trump logos and everything else on there. Just insane stuff. The good news is that we are seeing some pushback, not only on, well, primarily at this point, it's on the social aspect of it, but we are going to need to see some heavy pushback in regards to you know, going out and fighting back against bankers trying to deplatform your ability to actually do bank. Like, like I mentioned, the Chinese social credit score. 
But we're seeing some states step up. Like, for example, North Dakota, which has been, of course, one of the, the better states overall, especially during the lockdowns. But Republican state lawmakers in North Dakota now are saying that they want to open up Facebook and Twitter for lawsuits from users who have been censored. Now, I kind of agree with experts who are saying this would not have an effect due to Section 230 of the uh, Communications Decency Act, which you've heard me talk about to no end, and which uh, I know Donald Trump was trying to change and a lot of people are trying to alter so that these these social platforms are considered uh, publishers rather than platforms. And of course, because of they're immune to cases related to censorship. However, the new bill, as reported by Ars Technica, says that uh, there was a bill called An Act to Permit Civil Actions Against Social Media Sites for Censoring Speech. <laughs> eh, it's not exactly a catchy title, guys, but maybe they're working on it. Anyway, the target is to be able to make these social media platforms, quote, liable in a civil action for damages to the person whose speech is restricted, censored, or suppressed, and to any person who reasonably otherwise would have received the writing speech or publication. And this includes compensation for uh, consequential incidental damages. I don't know. It doesn't make any sense to me to say that this is in there because, number one, if you're a private company, like let's say you're a landlord and you kick a business out, you know, like let's say they're they're month to month and their lease is up. Let's say you have a lease in which you have established you could kick them out at any time. And yes, don't tweet at me about renters' rights and how, oh, well, there's these things on the books. I know, it's ridiculous. California is the most ridiculous of all, the state in which I live. Somebody can squat in your house, basically, and you can't kick them out for three months. But let's just use this example of if you're a landlord, you're renting at a, a strip mall and a business operates there and you say, okay, well, you know, get out of here. Or in the instance of Facebook or Twitter, it's basically a free platform, right? Now, you could argue that if you've paid money to advertise on that platform and build up a following by virtue of advertising or promoted posts, which basically, if you're on Facebook, you have to do to grow your page. It's virtually impossible to reach people otherwise. Then maybe you have a case. Then maybe you say, well, look, I've invested with you. We had a contract wherein I promoted my content on your platform and you know, paid you this good money. And in exchange, you basically say, I will be able to have my content hosted here by virtue of this agreement with which you're pushing people my direction from my ad dollars. Maybe then you've got a case. But otherwise, I don't know. It's hard to say that you're going to be able to, to go after somebody for hosting you on a free platform. It's hard to prove damages that are accrued by that. It's hard to say what you would or would not have made from social media because the nat you know, the nature of posts going viral versus not going viral, having established a store, maybe if you have direct sales through a Facebook store, you could establish damages. Maybe that. Long story short, I don't think this bill is going to get through. I don't think this is going to be the solution. However, it's good to see it. And, you know, to reiterate, I and for private companies operating and be able to do what they want, kick people off. But as I've said, time and time again, these companies are no longer private. They are working hand in hand with government. And also, they're also, you know, I mentioned Devin Nunes, Nunes, whatever the hell's name is, Nunes, uh, coming after them with an anti-racketeering suit. You've got, you know, antitrust lawsuits can be brought against them because these people are clearly collaborating to censor people all at once, a la Alex Jones or Donald Trump. And also, you know, there is that just because they can doesn't mean they should, right? So I just defended saying, I don't think legally you should be able to go after these people in this fashion, right? So I'm taking the libertarian approach to that saying, I don't think it makes sense. I don't think that it's got foundation in law. I don't think you should necessarily be able to sue them for that. However, I will say very loudly, and this is what drives me nuts when leftists respond to any criticism, right? Any criticism of Facebook, any criticism of Twitter, any criticism of any business, these people come after you and they go, oh, well, isn't this just the free market at work? You know, a buddy of mine posted, posted about capitalism and I said, buddy, because he was saying capitalism is what enabled Donald Trump to be kicked off these platforms. I said, no, buddy, you don't understand the difference between capitalism and cronyism. You don't understand the difference between a company being propped, propped up and made large because of regulations that allowed them to succeed. And then once they got to a certain point, they worked with government, hand in hand, with their lobbyists, giving money and donating to these causes and these politicians to make sure that regulations were put into place that stifled new competitors into the market. When you've got the, you know, Amazon that's responsible for something like 50% 
of the web hosting in the entire world, denying people access to the marketplace, you've got a problem. And we should not simply say, well, you know, that's their purview, they're private, because just because you can doesn't mean you should. And if we are seeing the marketplace work out wherein you do not have a fair shot because the government is working with these companies to regulate you out of existence, to make sure that you cannot get into the marketplace and provide your service offering, that is actionable. That is not okay. That is something we have to stand up and fight against. So anyway, that one, yeah, good job, North Dakota. Good to see it. Not going to do anything. However, I don't know. We've got Poland, of all places. They are set to make censoring social media accounts illegal. As reported in an article on Zero Hedge, uh, the Polish government officials have denounced big tech censorship of Trump. This, of course, follows in the footsteps of Angela Merkel uh, of Germany. But according to The Guardian, they say they are preparing to draft a law making it illegal So, uh, to ban accounts. Quote, algorithms or the owners of corporate giants should not decide which views are right and which are not, wrote the Polish Polish Prime Minister Matsis Morawiecki. Guarantee that's not the way you say it. <laughs> there is no and can be no consent to censorship. You'd think I'd be able to, to pronounce that, considering the fact that I am uh, at least 33% Polish. But I guess that's part of being Polish, not being able to read. Uh, Morawickies or Morazickies or however you say it, comments were published on Facebook days after the suspension of Donald Trump. Uh, he continued, censorship of free speech, which is the domain of totalitarian and authoritarian regimes, is now returning in the form of a new commercial mechanism to combat those who think differently. The owners of social platforms cannot act above the law. Uh, noting that in Poland, the functioning of Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram are regulated by law. So they've actually got precedent for it. Quote, we will suggest that similar reg regulations are also put in place of, in all of the European Union. So they're drafting a bill basically to say you cannot censor or delete these platforms or your, your profiles on these platforms. Uh, again, I do not approve. It's interesting to see, right? I, I'll say that. I, it's interesting to see it. Part of me says, okay, good. But at the other side... I cannot support government getting involved and in saying that this has to be regulated in such a fashion because they are still companies that are, are, you know, should be in control of their content to the point where there must be some point where you can remove content, right? There has to be something to say that pedophiles can't post uh, nude pictures of children on them, even though Twitter's got a problem with that. So I don't want the government overly regulating these things. It also, it could have a, a distinct chilling effect on virtually any social media that was going to crop up. Like, for example, Parler in Poland might crop up and say, we want free speech overall, but now you've got government getting involved, you have regulation involved. You might have people not wanting to create social media profiles or, or companies not wanting to create social media companies for fear that they would not be able to police the content as they so desire. So while I agree somewhat with what uh, Poland's prime minister is saying in his concept of free speech and, of course, the way these gatekeepers are working, I still can't support the regulation of these institutions. And then, this is interesting, in Australia, I guess Google had experimentally blocked several news sites. Yeah, just decided they were going to block them. So Google claims that this is something that just, you know, happens now and then, and they just kind of go and see what they can do, right? And Australia is taking a uh, kind of an interesting approach. I guess they're trying to force Google to pay for these programs or pay for platforms like the, oh, see, the Australian Financial Times or something like that. They're saying that Google is an effective monopoly and withholding access to timely, accurate, and important information shows how clearly they impact what access Australians have. At the same time, Google are now demonstrating how easy, easily they can make Australian news providers who fall out of their favor effectively disappear from the internet. A chilling illustration of their extraordinary market power. And they go on to say, this is the Australian treasurer, Josh Frydenberg. He says that we have introduced legislation that's now before a Senate committee to put in place a world leading mandatory code to see those digital giants pay traditional news media businesses a fair sum of money for generating original content. So, again, interesting um, in that <laughs> they're trying to say that Google is getting a, a free ride 
by virtue of growing because they're providing access to all of these news sites via their search engine. But again, just like with the Polish thing, if you're going to demand that Google pays people, like right now Google operates by the Australian Financial Times paying them to have their articles you know, be promoted higher or ads or whatever else, you know, first page of Google come up when people search. So you're saying that you're going to draft legislation that's going to demand that Google pays the, the news institutions for being able to find their content. I mean, this doesn't make any sense. I agree completely that it's bullshit that Google can completely block off news sources. And that is an issue for censorship, but that is, again, it, it is we have to look at whether or not, Google does in fact have a monopoly and whether or not trying to get to the size of Google, trying to bring in a new web search or web browser into the field is actively being blocked by Google and collaboration with Amazon or some of these other web hosters, in which case then there might be a legal recourse. But at the same time, if you're saying Google's got to pay these sources, what, what do you think is going to happen? Do you think they're more or less likely to be found through search results if Google's paying them every time somebody clicks on it? I mean, fundamentally, that doesn't make sense. You cannot have a search engine based upon people getting billed for providing the results of the search. I mean, am I reading this wrong? Am I taking Aussie crazy pills? Have the Bushmen slipped me a Mickey? Because this certainly seems insanely ridiculous to me. I, I don't, in any functional sense, see how that would ever work. I don't know. The land down under, apparently the down under as far as their understanding of economics and supply and demand and market forces and how people actually make money. Excuse me. Oh, there's a little stuff up now. Okay, moving on to, um, I want to talk a little bit more about the meat of uh, the episode here, right? Because I obviously titled it Roasting Marshmallows at Deprogramming Camp. And the reason I titled it that is because some of you may have heard that the all these liberal media talking heads are now throwing around that GOP and Trump supporters need to be, quote, deprogrammed, right? Even Katie Couric is out there saying, oh, these people need to be deprogrammed. And I didn't even know Katie Couric was still on TV because I do not watch mainstream news media other than, you know, a, a 10 second clip here or there that might show up on Twitter. And I recommend you don't either. It is poison for the mind and the soul and just as social media is. And with that in mind, follow us on social media at Brian McWilliams, at Lions of Liberty, at uh, Mark Claire, at John Odermatt, and of course, at Bravo and Beer, our side show, which is hilarious. But you've got big tech also echoing this, right? You've got all your liberal friends parroting what they've seen on TV, talking about how these Trump supporters have become cultists, right? That they need to be deprogrammed. And it goes, this is, this is Katie Kirk's quote. The question is how we are going to really almost deprogram these people who have signed up for the cult of Trump. Now, she's not the other one that said this. Another gal, uh, Eugene, Ro or sorry, a man, Eugene Robinson from the Washington Post said, quote, there are millions of Americans, almost all white, almost all Republicans who somehow need to be deprogrammed because they are in the Trumpist cult. So again, broad generalizations here, right? Washington Post, very woke of you, Washington Post columnist Eugene Robinson, to lump millions of Americans, all white, almost all Republicans who need to be deprogrammed. Very nice. Very nicely done. Uh, I was, uh, you know, listening. God, what was I listening to? An interview with, uh, I think it was a Quillette interview, and I can't remember the guy's name. Apologies on this. It was a Toby Young live, live feed with a, a black uh, writer. But long story short, they're talking about how you can basically be ripped apart for using any stereotype, right? And this and Toby Young had uh, had talked about how he had used some stereotype with, I don't know, it referring to Muslims and saying that they were more likely to be conservative than your average Australian, right? And people said, oh, that's racist. Yeah, it's a stereotype. You don't know that for all people. And he goes, okay, well, yeah, okay, fine. It's a generalization, <laughs> but you can see it drove people insane. And of course- we need generalizations in society, and they also exist for a reason. You know, they're, they're, 
definitively are reasons that certain stereotypes exist. Not saying that all of them are true. Some of them clearly started out with racism or started out because somebody was trying to uh, besmirch another race culture or maybe even just an asshole neighbor. But the fact is, many generalizations are there for a reason. But of course, if you can completely tear down anybody, as long as you say white and male, you can virtually follow with anything else under the sun that you want to make up, be it true or untrue, and nary a peep will be heard from anybody. But anyway, getting back to the main point. So you're seeing all these talking heads now call for deprogramming, right? And the need for it and trying to say, oh, how are we going to accomplish it? Now, I don't know about you, but it certainly seems a little bit daunting and daring for these people to be out there openly calling for, uh, I don't know, 70 million people to somehow be deprogrammed. I hate to go back to the China example once again, two episodes in a row, but my God, you are seeing quote-unquote deprogramming concentration camps in China right now with the Uyghur population, wherein they had to be deprogrammed, so they took them away from their families, they took entire families and put them in detention camps where we've seen videos of them shaving their heads, having them lined up in, in rows, kneeling on the ground. I'm sure there's violence. We know there are forced labor camps for these people. Is this what the Democrats have in mind? Is this what the, you know, extra 3 million people who swung the vote for Joe Biden, if it's to be believed, that they want? They're going to try to round up and deprogram Trump supporters? How would that even work? Are you going to go Kevin Nealon style and mix in deprogramming language into uh, NFL or WWE Raw? And he's on the top rope. Everybody has to deny Donald Trump. And he's coming down. He's going for the bigger four leg. Like Donald Trump is evil. Donald Trump is evil. Like, what, what, the, what are you going to do? This is, just the fact that this is the talking point that these people are circulating now shows you how brazen they become and how insane they have become. This is the kind of talk that in any other era in American history, other than, I, guess, I suppose, the communists are with McCarthyism, right? Well, after, after all, the left are the new McCarthys. They are the ones that are going after people. They are the ones that are canceling people. They are the ones that will happily rat out their neighbors for COVID and or thought crimes. But not since the height of the communist craze, the Red Scare, would we ever have this kind of talk. I mean, obviously you had Japanese intern camps, but at least they weren't deprogramming intern camps, right? They were just cruel cells in which innocent people were thrown into. But now we're talking about deprogramming. And with that, let me program something into you all. Guys and gals, you have heard me talk about Zipix Toothpicks, our nicotine-infused toothpick sponsor. Well, you can still use your promo code LIONS to get 10% off that first order, guys. And these things are awesome. You get a two milligram, four milligram nicotine toothpicks. You just roll them around your mouth, chew on them. It's got that great hand to mouth feel. Awesome if you're trying to quit smoking, they can help you with that. If you're trying to get off vaping, my buddy Eric got off vaping completely by using these things. But I'm not even a big smoker. I just like to chew on them and suck them. They give me that little buzz. I usually have one every show. And I just found out they have B12 and caffeine-infused toothpicks. I haven't been drinking this month except for a couple of glasses of wine during Bravo and beer. You know, healthy drinking. But midnight, January 31st, when I start heavy drinking again, you better believe I'm sucking on those B12s for hangovers. Check them out. Don't get left behind. FDA registered. ZippixToothpicks.com. Z-I-P-P-I-X Toothpicks.com. Promo code LION. Now, one realistic way I will say I could see this whole deprogramming concept actually be put into place is, of course, with Joe Biden talking about battling domestic terrorism. Right. He wants to draft a brand new domestic terrorism bill, just like we haven't learned any of the lessons from 9-11, or at least I hope the population has. But of course, lawmakers, they don't care about your rights. They don't care about your liberties. They care about power. And as I laid out how this is all designed to have this authoritarian system in place, this is the next step. Using the Capitol riots, not the BLM riots, mind you, not the ones that caused $2 billion of damage, ruined people's lives, injured countless thousands. No, no, they're going to use the Capitol riot. Because that, that came after them. 
They're going to use that as an example of how domestic terrorists, aka stupid white guys who busted in and took selfies, and of course, some other other races were involved as well. But, you know, as uh, Eugene Robinson said, mostly, mostly white guys. But they're going to use that to draft up this new domestic terrorism bill, which I assure you is going to include a massive amount of social media data collection talking between the two servers, a lot of collection as far as your web searches, your cell phone conversations, everything that the Patriot Act had and promised times 20, right? Everything that the USA Freedom Act promised times 20. But now they're going to really go after it. They're going to use anything as an excuse. They're going to have certain key phrases that are watch, you know, fire words that are going to be red flagged. So you're not going to be able to get a gun. And also they might just black bag you in the night, right? Because as Obama said, when he tried to redefine what a combatant is, which means that he could come and take you and suspend your right to habeas corpus, Joe Biden will seek to do the same thing. Obama used enemy combatant. He'll use something like domestic combatant. It doesn't matter. It's the same thing. It's simply getting used, getting rid of these specific uh, words in which to define who is an enemy of the state and making it so obtuse and so all-encompassing that they can go after whoever they want for virtually whatever reason they want. So I hope you guys enjoy your time at deprogramming camp. I know I have a swimsuit picked out. It's a lovely little number. It's just gray with a number on it. I think a serial barcode is what they told me I could have. Looking forward to it. Hoping I find first love at camp. Hoping maybe I get molested by a counselor at Deep Programming Camp. Have a good story to tell when I come out. Maybe I'll find out that I was gay the whole time. Who knows? And if I am gay, maybe I'll get a spot in Joe Biden's cabinet. It's a win-win for everybody, guys. So I'm looking forward to seeing you all there around the campfire. We'll roast some marshmallows. We'll tell some uh, politically correct ghost stories. It'll be a fun time for everybody. Now, another story I want to talk about is, you know, obviously... There's another stimulus bill going through Congress right now, another COVID relief bill that Joe Biden is championing. And naturally, there's all sorts of freaking garbage in there, including a absolute job-killing monster, the $15 minimum wage federal. Now, obviously, doubling the minimum wage which is literally, it's, it's still $7.25 an hour on the federal level. Doubling that and trying to force that through in a relief bill is one of the dumbest things I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, if you want to talk about who needs to be deprogrammed, it is people on the left who don't understand the basics of economics, the basics of supply and demand, the basics of what drives a marketplace, and also the motivations behind the marketplace. If you give people $15 minimum wage and mandate that that's what they get paid for this low-skilled labor, especially during a pandemic when restaurants are hardest hit, when retail is hardest hit, when anything that is in literally an entry-level position has been under siege by the government, let me remind you, forcing, forcing employers, be they in any industry except those that reside in technology, you know, that aren't going to be having a $15 minimum wage other than for maybe interns or for any of these big cities where, okay, they can afford it. They have enough, even with COVID. And I doubt that's even the truth now during COVID. But let's say in normal times, in non-COVID times, Los Angeles, maybe those businesses here need to pay $15. Now that should not be mandated. That should simply be what the market will bear. Because in LA, rents are expensive. You can't just pay people $7 an hour and expect them to get by because you would have no workers here. You have to pay them more per the cost of living in that marketplace. However, you go outside of Los Angeles, you go out to Barstow, you go out to uh, one of the little towns on the way to Las Vegas, you go out to the middle America, even some smaller cities that aren't just giant blue hubs on the coast, you are going to find that that market rate is far lower. $15 an hour is what they pay managers. $7.25 is what you get as a, as a start-out employee working the cash register or something that's waiting tables for the first time. And even that, you know, with waitresses and waiters, a lot of them don't even make the $7.25. So with this mandate that they all get $15 and tips, the left simply doesn't understand the outcomes to these actions. Minimum wage is a job killer, period. 
Thomas Sowell has been talking about this since he, you know, from the get-go, since he had his awakening. Sowell made this very specific point that especially for minority communities who these people say they care so much about, especially for minority communities, a minimum wage will eliminate half of their jobs overnight. Bam. It's gone. We already have the technology in place. <clears throat> you already have ordering kiosks in Jack in the Box, in McDonald's, wherever else. You already have a staff that used to be 25 people working a shift, manning all of the fryers and all of the front and all the back and the windows. Now it's five people because of automation. Why is there automation? Well, number one, obviously the marketplace is going to respond to any new technology, but if there's not a specific need for that technology, i.e. ordering machines where people just go up and beep boop bop their order through, they probably wouldn't be put into place. Or it would not be worth the financial investment into that new technology because I guarantee you a four foot tall, you know, touchscreen computer that's tied into the operating system that McDonald's has to spend God knows how much money designing, integrating with their ordering system, making it easily updatable per menu items that come and go ain't cheap. And it's a whole lot more of a hassle that their executive team has to now deal with. Probably has to bring in specialists to put this new piece of technology in play. Would not be necessary if we didn't already have market forces being regulated and being postured up by government to force people into paying a wage that simply is not warranted. So all that's going to happen with this minimum wage, should it get through, and you're already seeing people push back on the Republican side of things, and presumably, obviously, the libertarian side of things, saying that this simply cannot make sense. During a pandemic, when people are already clinging to the jobs and wages and hours that they have, you cannot simply introduce a job-killing provision like this that will literally eliminate 70% of the profit margin from restaurants in small towns. Places that aren't charging $20 for a cheeseburger, like here in LA or New York City, places that still charge $5 for a cheeseburger and pay their wait staff $7.25 an hour or their counter staff or their chefs or whatever it might be. They simply can't afford it. So what are they going to do? They're either going to go completely out of business and thank you government for shutting down 60% plus of the restaurants in America during this pandemic and shutting down, you know, 50% of the retail mom and pop shots, shops during this pandemic. Now, let's go ahead and introduce this to make sure we get 80% of them knocked out. Let's crush all of the small stores, all of the small retailers, all of the places that simply can't afford to pay this wage. We'll just, let's just put them out of business. Let's further consolidate all of the power with mega corporations that can afford to take that on the chin, but won't. They might take it for a short amount of time, the amount of time it takes them to put into place their new technologies. Be that, you know, anything from a automated cashier through to a technology I'm sure is around the corner, which is going to be some sort of robot that can easily fold stuff, put it on shelves, fix stuff, pick it up. Simple robotics. If a robot can put a car together with simple motions and simple programming, moving up and down the line, putting bolts in specific places, you're trying to tell me that it can't pick up and fold a sweater and put it back on a shelf? Democrats. Pretending they care about people while going out of their way to destroy their lives and put them out of work. Once again, can we get some deprogramming for these idiots? Please, I beg you. I'll be the counselor. I'll molest them at camp. If I can't get my ideas into their head by virtue of this speaking apparatus here by this podcast, damn it, I'll put anything into their body in any way I can to get my message across. You heard me right. <laughs> Uh, all right. Next, let's talk about uh, AOC, you know, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, a, a truly sickening and terrifying statement talking about how the state should regulate and make sure that what did she the phrase was something like federal truth and reconciliation, right? Like she wants basically to have the government work as the arbiters of truth and go after media, rein in, quote unquote, media, which don't fit that criteria, a.k.a. not legacy media. Your your favorite websites, be it American Thinker, be it Zero Hedge, be it whatever else, probably even, you know, some of these conservative or these, uh, these super liberal sites. Huffington Post would probably fall under that, although they tend to toe the line pretty closely. So AOC wants to rein in 
the media and make sure that the truth and reconciliation gets put into place. Because, you know, now they're all about unity. Now we all have to come together after they literally spent the last four years demonizing half of the population. And they continue to with this deprogramming language. But now they're talking about unity, how we have to get back and, you know, get back to the facts, what's true and what's not true. Now, of course, when government is interfering in that, it's simply called Pravda. Just like the Russians had, they had their government apparatus or apparatchik newspaper that came out that had nothing but state-sponsored lies, a.k.a. your Washington Post, your CNN, your MSNBC, your, probably your Fox News at this point. You've got these. Oh, and of course, the New York Times, the less favored establishment paper du jour. You've got all of these working hand-in-hand in government. So you've got them telling the people exactly what the state wants them to believe. This is the quote-unquote truth. We've already seen the Wayback Machine go back and eliminate people and, dis- and delete Twitter feeds to, to ban people from questioning the mainstream authoritative and narrative. So now AOC wants to formalize this. Again, what is most shocking to me is these people going out and saying this out loud. It's one thing to think it. It might be another thing to even think it and plot it. But to say it out loud means that they have literally lost all fear. And if there was one thing I took away from the storming of the Capitol, I thought to myself, you know what? At least these sons of bitches know that they can be gotten to. Now, of course, they're going and putting all sorts of walls and guards and everything else, not just for the inauguration, which sadly... I record this Tuesday night, so it's out Wednesday morning, fresh for you people as you wake up and start your day rolling out of your panda cages and eating your bamboo. So I will not get to see the inauguration or talk about it until next week. And this tends to happen more often than you'd think, to my great annoyance, where things will drop, you know, the night of, or they're happening the next day, so I don't have a fucking chance to talk about them for an entire week. And by the time I do, everyone else has already had their crack at it, and I'm like, eh, I'll talk about Pokemon, talk about Magic the Gathering for a while. But anyway, Biden's inauguration, of course, you know, there are ample National Guard rolled in. They're portraying this as though they have to protect him from imminent threats. And you have Democratic lawmakers, again, the brazenness of these people and their idiotic notions, but saying that Republican senators, right, that Republican members of the legislature are the biggest threats to Biden because one of them might bring a gun in and shoot him. At what point would anybody think that that was a realistic outcome? At what point has any GOP member of the Senate, of the House, of any of them, said they wanted to kill Biden or that they openly wanted to carry pistols at his inauguration or anything that would even remotely come close to this thought? But yet, you're hearing it parroted, just like the deep programming talk. You're hearing people talk about how that's the biggest danger. Let me tell you what's going to happen. A big fat nothing. And if it does happen, I'm telling you right now, I doubt it's going to be some Trump supporter. I think it's going to be more than anything, another, hey, let's let them walk in and do what they're going to do type of situation in order to consolidate more power. Do I put it past the Democratic establishment or the establishment at large to sacrifice Joe Biden on the altar, like much like the Aztecs, rip out his heart, throw it down the steps for everybody to see, usher in the new Kamala Harris era? Eh, not really. Wouldn't surprise me. I'm not saying it's likely. I'm not saying I expect it to happen. I'm just saying it wouldn't surprise me. But anyway, good old Uncle Joe ruining things and ushering in again with this new brazen approach an era openly calling for media censorship. And we already know that there are no restrictions on what the government can and can't do insofar as lying to its citizens and propagandizing them. That's gone. It was removed, I think, something like six years ago or seven years ago. So now the government's free to work with media, to buy programming, to air programming without telling you that it is specifically bought and paid for by your government to lie to you. And you have AOC cheerleading the entire way and making sure that media is not free, is not open, and without a doubt will have the steely eye of government upon it. The crazy thing is, too, they already are going after social media. They're talking about going after these alternative sites, right? They want the, the arbiters of truth. But now the Associated Press, I just caught my eye over the weekend, also has an article out. And I think Glenn Greenwald, I'd retweeted a story of his, 
Glenn Greenwald was talking about this, how the gatekeepers are trying so hard to keep us out and keep those gates locked to make sure that we've got that tunnel vision, right? No longer can, no longer is Apple uh, the half-naked chick with the sledgehammer throwing a mallet through the TV of everybody must watch this, all you gray, shaven-headed individuals. Apple is now hand-in-hand with government in making sure that we are tuned to that one channel. But the Associated Press is not much better. Because the Associated Press had a recent article saying that the new frontier for extremism, the new frontier for radicalization of people, especially Trump supporters, are podcasts. So it would really be great, guys, if you could go join our Patreon, patreon.com slash Lions of Liberty. Sign up for that just in case. Apple takes our podcasts off just in case they do come after us and Spotify refuses to run our shit anymore. Or, uh, well, I don't know what the other ones are. I can't remember. Whatever it might be. YouTube. You are, we're on YouTube, by the way. We've got like 4,000 subscribers on there. So if you want to be one of those, go ahead. But that'd be great because that way we've got money to go to other platforms. Plus, Patreon, unless they deplatform us, Patreon's its own separate feed. So we could push our content out there. So if you want to dot your I's and cross your T's, folks, that's one way to do it. Because without a doubt, they are going to be looking towards us with a glance of nothing but hatred, probably lust, if I'm over here. But we just might be up next. Oh, how about one more thing to wrap up this free speech arbiters of truth conversation is Pennsylvania's lieutenant governor saying that anybody who claims the election was rigged, is not using protected speech. So not only do they want to deplatform you, not only do they want to take you off of web hosting services so your message can't get out, but now this fucking jackass is arguing that we do not have the right to question whether or not an election was an officially sanctioned outcome or that the election was in fact uh, truthful in the way that it was undertaken, that every vote was counted in. It was absolutely 100% accurate. Just like Venezuela, just like any of these other pretend democracies, they now want to crack down on free speech. They want to be able to jail you over this because if you can't say it, if it's not protected speech, well, then they can come after you, can't they? They can say that you're inciting a riot, can't they? They can say that you're using hate speech even because we know that hate speech is a broad phrase that means nothing and yet can contain everything. I mean, you really got to hear for yourself this, this imbecile's point of view, including the false equivalency he makes between saying that you think an election is rigged, your opinion, which looks like it's based in enough for people to think of there's quite a few people, three out of four uh, Republicans minimum I saw, think that it was rigged. There's quite a difference between saying you think an election was rigged and, quote, yelling fire in a crowded theater, which, of course, as I've said before, has absolutely no legal standing. So this idea that saying that Pennsylvania was rigged or that we were trying to steal the election, unquote, that's a lie. And that you do not have the right. That is not protected speech. The second those tweets went up, they should have been deleted. That's not deplatforming someone. It's it's deleting lies that are yelling fire in a crowded theater when there is none. And there's a difference. That is not protected speech. He can talk all day about what his favorite football team is or that he's the greatest president in the history of the world. But no one, Republican, Democrat, whatever, has the right to say those kind of incendiary lies. Of course, they're incendiary lies only because he's on the side that argues that he is right, that there was no infractions made, etc. Meanwhile, Knowing for a fact how much voter fraud is possible and that it goes on nonstop in every election, especially with mail-in ballots, it would seem very legitimate to question whether or not there was indeed fraud. What He's saying the election was rigged. Okay, are you saying that specific language, buddy, or just questioning it in, in any way? And how exactly, like I said, how is this equivalent to yelling fire in a crowded theater? Saying an election is rigged is questioning a state narrative with ample evidence to provide fodder for that question. 
It's not demanding people go and violently overthrow a government. No one has called for that. It's not saying that somehow people are going to be strung up, that you're inciting people to go after those on the voting commission and hang them from the rafters. None of that is happening. You have vast social media censorship and deplatforming for simply wondering aloud whether or not something shady happened. And you have this fuck telling me and you that that warrants being removed, that you can't say a lie, but who knows what the truth is? The state lies to us all the time. Why do you think there's something called classified? It's so the state can lie to us and not tell us about it, not tell us the full truth, tell us an outright lie. There are beyond, I don't know, millions of examples WikiLeaks troves alone provide hundreds of thousands of examples of the government lying to you in various ways, all of the people involved in that. I mean, fuck, if we're using this basis for what our rationale is for deplatforming people, shouldn't everyone in the entire government be deplatformed en masse? Because they lie more than anybody. On the face of the earth, governments lie more than anybody. It's absolutely ridiculous. And looking forward, if you can't question or say an election is rigged, what happens when there's actually an election that was rigged? Oh, that's right. The state now has given itself permission to silence you because you dared to question this election. Now they don't want you to be able to question any election, no matter how blatant and obvious the chicanery is, the cheating is, that they're robbing you of your decision to vote and for who you're voting for. You can't question it because now that's not protected speech. How convenient how this is all coming together. Oh, a couple more things. I'm going to wrap it up. I saw an article that Bill Gates is now America's largest farmland owner. <laughs> Can you imagine? Just run with me for a minute. And I know I've been doing a lot more conspiracy talk than I usually do. But go with me for a minute on this. Bill Gates is now famous for some reason, despite the fact that he's not an epidemiologist or a biologist, he is a scientist just as much as Bill Nye the science guy is, which means not at all. But Bill Gates is somehow sprung to the forefront, not only of COVID vaccine and virus management, but of course also is at the forefront of what we need to do with human civilization, with the fact that he thinks Global populations are too high and the trajectory is too high, even though they're actually projected to top out about 10 million and then go back down by studies from quote unquote experts in this field. So Bill Gates is talking about how the world's overpopulated and basically has called for a culling, basically has called for and endorsed in the past plans much like China had to limit the number of children people can have and other platforms that follow that similar thinking pattern. So it's a little concerning, right? If Bill Gates is the largest owner of farmland, I mean, do you want the guy controlling the most amount of harvestable land to be the same guy that wants to cull the population of the United States and the world? <laughs> it seems a little a little too uh, convenient, right? Whoops, Bill Gates just decided he's not going to make food anymore, guys. So I guess uh, like Thanos, yeah, he's going to snap happy out of existence. Breadbasket's empty. But of course, because, you know, some of these libertarians will tell you, because Bill Gates is a private individual, he he has the right to starve people, cut off that food supply. Well, he can. Doesn't mean he should. But I thought that was a little cute. It also had me wondering, while I was walking my doggies, as mentioned previously, also had me thinking, you know, the left just keeps hammering the middle of the country, right? They hate them. And you are seeing, I mean, Joe Biden, that doddering old dipshit, he got more votes, if you believe the claims, than anybody in history. Because Donald Trump had gotten, in second place, got more votes than any president in history. And Joe Biden got more than that by whatever, 4 million. And he also got those 74 million votes in the least number of counties ever. So you have a vast concentration of one ideologically cult-like thought pattern 
in these giant blue cities, right, on the coasts in these cities, who hammer the middle of the country, who hate the middle of the country, who are putting in place economic systems, economic regulations, and of course, $15 minimum wages that are killers of economies and jobs in the middle of America, while also supporting you know, more or less the exporting of jobs and the transition from a manufacturing economy into a big tech-slash-service economy. And remember the infamous uh, hashtag learn to code, which, which later Twitter deplatformed because the, people were using it back on the media. So you could tell people to learn to code if you were in the tech biz, if you're in high tech, laughing at auto workers or laughing at people that are working in uh, textile industries or used to be in the middle of the country. But when they turn it back on you sarcastically, mm, bannable offense. Because we know the left can't take a joke. So my question is knowing that <laughs> we've got enemies out there that are nuclear armed, or actually, even if it's not nukes, just simply have ballistic missiles. We've got uh, terrorists that aren't too fond of us because of our constant meddling in the Middle East, little blowback action. I just, you know, half joking, but half serious. How long until middle America starts to really try to goad our nuclear armed enemies on? Right, really tries to prod our enemies to the point to get them to attack, knowing that the first places they're going to strike are going to be L.A., sucks for me, New York City, Washington, D.C., Chicago, you know, all these all these seats of liberal power, which, of course, are also the most populated cities in America. They are going to be the first on the list. New York, D.C., L.A., one, two and three. They're getting hit with the nukes ASAP. If you're middle America. They keep going at you like this. What do you got to lose? Right? Yeah, you wipe out your enemies on the coast. <laughs> Again, I'm half joking. It's 75% joking here, guys. But hey, you know, might be a little bombs dropping. All right, last thing to finish up, guys. Um, I did think this was interesting. And a little happy news, but Switzerland is actually holding a referendum on whether or not to strip the government of its power to impose a coronavirus lockdown. This is from Business Insider, but they are going to have this vote, this referendum, uh, after an increasing national debate about the rights of individuals. Something that, despite the fact that we're America, founded on freedom, liberty, and individualism, uh, we haven't had that. We don't really have a national debate on that, do we? We've got a media controlling the narrative. We've got government fully for locking down. And we've got complicit leftists going around screaming at anybody who dares to try to go anybody without a mask on or dares to want to open a business. So not really a debate, right? Just screaming and deplatforming. Because to have a national debate about the rights of individuals would mean you need to question whether or not lockdowns are effective in the COVID era, which of course gets you banned from social media. But it'll be interesting to see how this referendum comes and uh, what the votes end up being. Because we can look to Switzerland and say, all right, they've done it. Give us a little hope. Take that model, what they did, what, see what that language is, and then see if we can get some senators like Rand Paul to introduce it. But this group, Friends of the Constitution, sounds very American, a campaign group triggered the vote by submitting a petition of 86,000 signatures calling for a nationwide vote on whether to repeal the 2020 COVID-19 Act. The new vote will not be held until June, by the way, which means that, I don't know, if it's not till June, I wonder, because I think that probably by June, you're going to have enough, at least in Switzerland and most likely here, enough vaccinations and herd immunity to make COVID at least somewhat palatable to most of the populace. But hopefully... They have been crushed economically enough where they see that this is something that cannot stand and has to be eliminated. So hopefully in June, they will, in fact, vote to restrain the government power, take it back and protect the liberty and the rights of its people. Now, even though this is not the strictest lockdowns, by the way, they emphasize personal responsibility, kind of like Sweden, which is the way we should have done it here. It does make me very interested in just how liberty-centric the Swiss people are, because I did not realize that they did, in fact, get so riled up about this. So, exciting. Gives me some hope. Gives me something to, to get me through the cold, harsh, windy Los Angeles nights with my allergies. My allergies are terrible. Or acting up. 
All right, guys, that is going to do it. I want to remind you, as I did last show, to support libertarian content, not just in the vein of liberty. Listen to Bravo and Beer, our hilarious comedy TV review podcast I do with John Odermatt, Founding Freedom, and our legal counsel, Rico, who you've heard on many shows, although he's definitely behind the paywall now on our Conspiracy Corners and, of course, Degenerate Gamblers crew. But uh, support Bravo and Beer. Go download it. I don't even give a shit if you listen to it. Just go add it to your subscriptions, play it for a second, and then skip over just to get the numbers up. Part of what we have to do, part of the next plan for Liberty, guys, is getting more Liberty content out there that's not really Liberty content. We need to be likable. We need to be in mainstream enough so people can find us and then see the ideas behind us. If you lead with, hey, I'm a libertarian, you lose half the people instantly. So support Bravo and Beer. Support their second print podcast. Go and support uh, Opinions and Beer is another one by some Liberty guys. This Even the System is Down podcast. You know, Dan Smots over there, he's doing great work. It's not all liberty content. It's a lot of mainstream. It's a lot of conspiracy talk. It's a lot of outs, outside the boundaries conversations about cults and flat earths and whatever else. We need to support. So go out, subscribe. Five-star reviews would be amply appreciated. And also, if you want to give us a five-star review on Lions of Liberty, I pledge we will have that special bonus show uh, before the end of the month. I think we're going to try to bang it out, do one of our Saturday bonus episodes answering your questions. So go to iTunes, give us that five-star review. You can add a question in there. We will uh, get to them and do a quick Q&A. Well, you won't be asking a lot, but we'll do a quick Q&A. All right, that's going to do it, guys. For me, Brian McWilliams from Lions of Liberty and from Electric Liberty Land, always stay plugged into liberty. <laughs>